Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from another mother, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight is episode 14 titled Winning is Fun, and this is part one of a two-part series where we're going to be talking University of Tennessee baseball. We got stars Chase Dolander, Chase Burns joining us. The chases, it's full of excitement, fun. Jim, I don't even want to talk to you this week. I just want to get right into it, man. So without further ado, let me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, University of Tennessee star pitchers Chase Dolander and Chase Burns. All right, Chase Burns, Chase Dollander. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Great. Doing good. How are you guys? We are blessed as always, and we're even more blessed tonight because we have on two guys from the number one team in the country. And it, 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 it ain't even close in our eyes, guys. We've been following you guys for a, a good two years, and the level of excitement that the, you know, the podcast is generated for college baseball, but more so the level of excitement that we've generated for the University of Tennessee baseball is, is crazy right now. Um, all the way up through last year's great run up until, you know, the journey this year. Um, but guys, you know, just kind of getting into it a little bit, you know, Burns, I, I got to start with you, man. I saw an interview live on TV and I, I got to applaud your professionalism because I don't think I could stay as composed as you were. You were being harassed the whole time. They had a hockey stick. There was sunflower seeds, man. Like, like how, how did you stay composed? And even more importantly, what was the retaliation? Cause I know there had to be something afterwards. Uh, honestly, I was just so nervous for the, the interview, you know, it's like my second one, but you know, I always get some chills when it's during the game. Uh, really, I didn't really care about the seeds or the hockey stick, but after it was just, I didn't really say anything to him because I know it was all fun and games. So, so look, your coach cut an interview short in the middle of the game the other day. He said he had to get back to work. So that's a strategy. But listen, so Chase Dolander, I got to go to you real quick. You know, last year watching, you know, the season started, you're playing against Tennessee for those that don't know. And uh, you, you play with a guy now who has been described by teammates as a little bit psycho in between the lines. <laughs> you might have fallen victim to a Drew Gilbert bat flip. There was a lot of talking. I think he talked to every single fielder as he went around and even said some things in the dugout. Talk to me about how you feel about the bat flips in general and also what was it like to become that guy's teammate now? I don't really I, – I, I like the bat flips, to be honest with you. It's – you know, we get to show our emotion on the field. Just by, I mean, we had Jordan Beck the other night after that grand slam throw the bat. I was, I was going crazy about that. But, um, yeah, being his teammate now is it, – it's crazy because he's a completely different person off the field than he is on the field. I mean, he's a psychopath on the field, but when you get off the field, he's probably one of the nicest guys you've ever met. 
And, and that's what's wild because we have him come on the show and he's as calm as can be, but it's not even just his Tennessee teammates. We interviewed like seven of his team USA teammates and every one of them said the same thing. It's like, so everybody's telling us across the board, this dude's a psychopath, but then he comes on the show and he's the nicest, most normal guy you've ever met. So we were thrown. But did you guys yeah. ever have a conversation about the bat flip he did on you? Oh, he doesn't let me forget it. <laughs> he does not let me forget it, dude. It's, it's, it used to be an everyday thing when I first came in, but now it, it's kind of simmered down because I faced him in the fall and I did pretty good. So I got him back there. But, yeah, he, he, he definitely doesn't let me forget it. Yeah, so, Burns, I, I can tell you, you're not, you're not going to stand for that bat flip nonsense from nobody. And I'm sure that's probably something that you, you ingrained in you from, from a little guy. And I want to get into that a little bit. You know, talk to us about where you're from, where you were born, and, and kind of the family dynamics growing up, brothers, sisters. What was the house like? Uh, well, I was originally born in Naples, Italy. Uh, my parents were both in the Navy. My dad was in there for 10. My mom was in there for three. And that's kind of how they met. And that's, like, kind of how my background was, you know, kind of the Navy kid. Uh, you know, my parents, I wouldn't say they're strict, but, you know, my dad was pretty hard on me growing up and stuff like that. Uh, we got a sister. She's in college right now. She's 20. And I moved to Nashville when I was about one, I think, or two. So and I've been living here ever since. So you don't really – living in Italy, you know, very young, you don't really remember too much of that? No, not at all. No. I just have pictures. Yeah, Naples. I think the the pizza was born there. Is that is that true? I feel like that's I, that's something I, I heard. So. <laughs> so, you know, you growing up, you had a dad who obviously was a football player. Um, was football a sport, or were there any other sports that you played growing up, or was it strictly just baseball? Uh, uh, football was a sport when I was I played pee wee for like a year. I hated it. Uh, I was the quarterback. My dad was the coach, so. I mean, I get yelled at all the time when I was little, and so I kind of, kind of didn't like it. But I also played uh, basketball up to sophomore year in high school, and then baseball was always around too. Oh, here we go again. We're gonna go down this road with with these Tennessee cats playing basketball. Can <laughs> can, can you hoop or or just a little bit or not really? Be truthfully, honest now. Truthfully, I can hoop. Mm. I, I there's no doubt in my mind. No doubt. The question is, if you and if you and Chad Dallas were to play one on one, who's who's racking it up? I'm I'm beating him. I'm beating him. Look, look, Chad got discredited by his own brother Jack, who said he sat on the bench in middle school. Okay, that's a wrap. We we don't. But we Chad came back and said that's because he hadn't found his body yet, bro. I'm t I'm taking Burns all day. I, I don't even got to discuss this. Yep. I I still to this day don't think Chad Dallas can shoot a basketball. <laughs> He's just. He just – he better stick to the bump. That's all I'm going to say. But, uh, Burns, man, you, know, you mentioned playing football, and it wasn't really your thing. Was it more so just you just didn't like it, or was dad being the coach putting pressure on you, or was there no pressure to be good at anything or play anything? It was just something that you just couldn't, you couldn't get into, and it just wasn't your thing. Uh, I remember my dad telling me I was scared to get hit. So that was like one of the biggest thing. I guess I was kind of soft. So he kind of he kind of was like, maybe this isn't your thing. And I went to basketball and then baseball next. So you you ended up playing baseball. You've 
played travel ball for the Canes National and and helped them to a 2020 perfect game, 17 and under elite championship. So obviously, baseball ended up panning out. You 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 did the travel thing for a while. Um, we always have this. The question is, what was more beneficial to getting you to the next level? Was it high school ball or was it travel ball? Uh, definitely travel ball, just because all the guys that are in the circuit, you know, they have the same goal as you and stuff like that. And I think the talent level is just, unless you're going to like a private school or a highly prestige private school, I think travel ball is just way better. Yeah, but you don't want to discount, you know, high school base baseball because you personally, you went 6-0, and you had a .5 ERA, 131 strikeouts, 56 innings pitched as a senior. What school did you go go to in high school and what was the competition like and what like caliber of high school, you know, level are we playing? Are we playing at the highest level or is it a, you know, a small school? What are we looking at? Uh, I went to Beach High School my senior year and uh, I would say the talent level was pretty good. I mean, I th- decently, uh, you know, there's always a couple of kids on each team that are committed at least to one school, D1, D2. So I think it was a pretty big uh, public school. I think it was at the, like the highest level of public school that you can go to. So you guys went twenty-eight and twelve um, in twenty twenty-one. You had a state playoff berth, um, but not only that, you you have accolades of a a, a fastball being clocked at hundred and one miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Top you top prospect in perfect game number seventeen. Um, number one player in the state of Tennessee at what point in the travel ball career or your career do you go man like I got something very special or did you Uh, always kind of know that because you were always the best player on the team no you know I wasn't always the best player uh you know my body kind of matured at a at a late age you know I was kind of always the small guy uh, until I hit my growth spurt and kind of got my looks in about sophomore sophomore summer, that's when the Vila started going up. That's when I got my offer from Tennessee. And then I started getting some some teams to look at me from, like, the travel ball perspective and, like, hey, come play for us. You know, we got these coaches coming to watch us and stuff like that. So that's when I kind of knew that I had something special and it just kept growing off of that. So you were ended up being as high as the fifth right-handed pitcher nationally by perfect game and obviously it, to me like when you are throwing at the velocity that you're throwing you're playing at at you know for one of the best teams in the country you're ranked at an incredibly high you know level what teams i mean or are all the teams coming after you because i i feel like with those you know attributes it's like a long list of teams and you've got to like whittle it down. Uh, you talking about college, like college teams? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say I committed pretty early though. As I said, like that sophomore summer, I kind of blew up. I ended up committing the end of that sophomore summer. So it was around two to three months where I kind of just had a, I didn't have to, but I kind of made a decision pretty quick. Uh, you know, Vitello jumped on me pretty quick and so did other teams, but after talks with him, I just felt more comfortable with him. He would come to more games, you know. He actually didn't even come to a game one time. He just wanted me to throw up my high school field, and he came, and, you know, I felt more of a connection with him. So I felt like he was 
really committed on getting me to go to that school. And I just saw that and I just thought it was cool. So what, I mean, give me the top three. If it, if it wasn't Tennessee, what were the, give me three other choices that you were like, all right, I, I could see myself going there if Tennessee wasn't in the equation. Uh, Vanderbilt. Um, boo, boo, stop right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arkansas and uh, South Carolina was one of them too. So you you inevitably choose Tennessee and you talk about, you know, Tony V and and the impact he had and, and really that feeling. But was that the on, only thing about it or did you go take a visit and, and, you know, you hear you hear guys all the time. They say, you know, I just felt like I was at home. I felt like it was me. Was it strictly what Tony V, you know, you know, how he made you feel or was it the overall experience of going to the campus and just kind of falling in love with, with being there? Uh, you know, I'd prayed about it for a long time, you know, committing to a college was, is also like pretty hard. So once I, I heard about him coming to my high school and just watching me throw and then coach a and his background with his son being in the big leagues and his track record, and then coach Elander, just him always being on me, you know, want me to come there. Uh, I never took any visits to any schools, but once they like gave me a scholarship, I just felt at home. And as soon as I came to the first football game, you know, I think I was a junior that time. It was like my first kind of visit. I just, I knew it was home pretty much. When, pretty when you, yeah. When, when you throw 101, I guess you ain't got to go anywhere. Folks just come <laughs> to you, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I got a question for you before we move on to uh, Chase Dolander. Who was your favorite athlete growing up? That's always a question that I wonder. Uh, man, that's hard. I never really thought about my favorite athlete. Um, I mean, it's got to be that that guy that inspired you. I mean, honestly, my favorite athlete was my dad. Hey, uh, hey that's a great answer. I mean, I always, I've always looked up to him. I mean, he's the greatest. I mean – I've always seen little newspapers of him playing in college ball and stuff like that. So, I mean, he kind of brought me to baseball and he played baseball when he was younger and he tries to throw with me, but it's, it's, it's terrible, but he's probably my favorite athlete. Yeah. Way to bring it back around after you said he ran you out of football. I see what you did there. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right, Chase, man, let's talk about it. Where is it you're from? So I'm from Augusta, Georgia. And uh, as far as family dynamics, what's it what's it looking like? Because I, I read that you might have quite a few brothers. Yeah, so uh, I grew up with two brothers. Um, I have a younger and an older. Um, and then uh, so my parents got divorced around when I was nine or ten. A few years later, my uh, my mom met my stepdad, and I uh, I got a stepbrother. So um, my mom's kind of taking care of three three boys or four boys right now. Three others, including me um so yeah I don't I don't know how she does it but she, <laughs> she's a rock star so I mean how competitive is that house with all those boys oh it's stupid competitive uh, it's it's crazy me and my older brother both play baseball so we are, we're always at each other throats and uh just trying to one-up each other every time we can all right so when we got a family with multiple athletes and siblings you know we gotta always ask you know who's who's the best athlete of you guys oh me 100 percent uh, that's always it, the right answer. It's not even a question. No, it's not even a question. <laughs> we'll talk to him on the side and see if he agrees. 
But, uh, you know, as far as uh, sports growing up, you know, same thing we were asking him, is baseball the only sport you played or did you play multiple sports? Baseball is the only sport I played. Um, growing up, I, I always watched my older brother play, and I, that's just kind of something I wanted to pick up. So my mom kind of put me in T-ball, and I just fell in love with it since, and I haven't really looked back. Yeah, and so you, obviously he's a big influence on you. Was there an athlete for yourself that was a you know a big influence, somebody that you uh, wanted to model your game after? I would just say my older brother, to be honest with you. He's, he's five years older than I am, and he just always had that one extra step on me. And so I was always constantly trying to catch him and be better than he was. And so he was just kind of that thing that I kept chasing, and, and uh, he was my definitely my biggest influence. And, uh, and according to yourself, you chased him and, and caught him and passed him down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I got him. Now he's coming to me for help. So it's, it's pretty awesome. There you go. Return the favor. So, uh, you know, we were talking about travel ball and everything. Who was it that you played travel ball for? So mainly I played for a team called Complete Game. It was a local team that's uh, local uh, in Augusta. But um, I did play a couple of appearances with uh, some other teams, but – um, they weren't like the big Canes National or any like that. It was nothing like that. But I did play a little, couple of extra games with other teams. It's actually pretty surprising because, you know, a lot of the guys we've talked to, travel ball in Georgia is maybe not second to anybody. I mean, is, is that not true? I mean, travel ball in Georgia yeah. got it going. It's huge in Georgia. I mean, we have Lake Point in Atlanta, which it seems like there's something there every weekend. And there's always a huge tournament going on. They have so many fields over there, so they can do really, really do whatever. But, um, but yeah, travel ball in Georgia is insane. So you played travel ball for them. Um, where did you go to high school at? I went to Greenboro High School. Um, we we were pretty good, to be honest with you. We everybody kind of knew everybody in that town, and so it was it was a pretty big rivalry between us and all the high schools. That's what's up. Yeah, I got some uh, some accolades to read off as far as far as high school right here. You know, two time perfect game preseason All American, number eight ranked player in Georgia by PBR, uh, 2019 Georgia dugout, uh, Class Six A second team All State, 2019 first team All Columbia County. Um, you were a three time All Region selection, and then uh, you know your stats for your for your junior year, man, six and one, 0 0.79 ERA, 71 strikeouts in 61 innings, um, you know, posted a five, three, uh, and five and three record, even as a sophomore. I mean, it, it seems like in, in high school, you obviously had it really going on, you know, what was your, what was your favorite season? What was your best season? I'd say my, uh, both my favorite and my best seasons were my junior year. Um, just looking at the numbers strictly, it, it really went, it went really well for me compared to my sophomore year. Um, I just felt like I kind of matured more into my body and, and into my own mind, to be honest with you. And so I just, that's just kind of where I kind of took off. And that's where I got my first offer from was, was from actually it was, um, Coastal Carolina who gave me my first offer. Not Coastal, sorry, College of Charleston. Sorry. Gotcha. And so, you know, it doesn't even have the stats, and I obviously know that that's the COVID season. Did y'all even get a chance to play at all, or did they not even just register the stats because it was so short? I think I pitched in three games, maybe. Um, it was probably in eight innings combined, so it, we didn't really get to play much. Yeah, and so we've had a few guys, man, that their their senior year was was cut short by COVID. Uh, you know, what's that like, man, being a senior in high school, and then, like, it's just – it's over, like – devastating dude I I can't even explain to you what I felt whenever I got told that my senior year was done I, I was just sitting in sitting in my bed doing homework because school had been canceled for the next two weeks or something and 
next thing you know, our coach texts us and he was like, Hey, our, our season's canceled. And we were all, we, we all didn't know what he meant. He, <laughs> we thought we, he was joking to be honest with you. And then it just kind of came to uh, fruition and it just, I mean, it just got worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. We, we talk about it in regards to just college and pro athletes, but man, I put myself back in, in high school and, you know, I played ball with these guys. We played in high school. I just couldn't imagine um, having your senior year ripped out. So man, uh, you know, I hate, I hate it for all you guys, but you know, clearly with the, the talent that you, like you talked about junior year, that was enough to put you on the map. Um, you know, what schools, uh, you, you talked about College of Charleston, um, you know, what were your top three schools and what ultimately made you pick Georgia Southern? So funny story, um, those were my only two offers was uh, College of Charleston and Georgia Southern. And so just ultimately I, I picked Georgia Southern because <laughs> if we're being honest, they gave me more money than anybody else did or more, more money than College of Charleston. And I kind of liked it better there. It's closer to home. So my parents would be able to come see me. Oh, hey, man, you're getting the last laugh now for all those schools that didn't want to throw you an offer. I love it. So as far as your time at Georgia Southern, you know, you had a you had a couple big games. You recorded a career high, 13 strikeouts, six shutout innings to earn the win against Appalachian State. And then, uh, you know, of course, talking Tennessee, you went five and two thirds inning, allowing just one one run on three hits. We know what the one run was, the uh, the Gilbert bat flip. And uh, that was obviously your collegiate debut. So, I mean, you know, talk to me about your, your freshman year there. You know, did it meet expectations? How did you feel about it? I, I don't think I met expectations for myself, maybe for other people. I, I knew I was a lot better than what I, what I was performing. Um, obviously, I had my first, first start against Tennessee, and I thought I did pretty well against them. I, was, I mean, obviously, I was pretty mad about that Drew Gilbert home run, but I mean, going back and watching it, I, I don't know who wouldn't be mad about it. But, um, yeah, I struggled I struggled kind of during the middle of the season on the road more than anything. And I think I kind of got into my own mind. And so that's that's something that I really worked on, just trying to mature mentally and physically. And that's, that's something that I take pride in now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and clearly, you know, that was something that, you know, I saw the Tony V uh, write-up where he talked about what he saw from you just in that one performance – um, from you and everything and so I mean the the thing about it is you know you run happy about the run that you gave up but um, for that team and we saw what they did the the rest of the season to go into their house and only allow just the, the one run in your five and two thirds uh, uh, especially as a freshman and, and being your first start I mean that's that's about as good as you way you could probably start yeah I'd, I'd say so too I mean we played ECU the next weekend so that also wasn't a t wasn't a um an easy battle either, but I was able to get the W on that one. So did you have to give Tony V just a little bit of stuff about not recruiting you out of high school, man, you had to do what you did to them that for him to get you to pay attention to you. I guess so, dude. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really throwing that hard coming out of high school. Um, I, I really, I hit my velo jump when I was already signed and committed to go to Georgia Southern. It was my senior year. And man, so that, obviously that, that got canceled and I didn't really, couldn't really do anything about it. <laughs> right. Better late than never. Right. 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 So Burns, we're going to take it back to you for just a second. You know, uh, shockingly enough, you said you didn't go visit anybody like DB said, when you're throwing, you know, in the hundreds, you don't have to go see anybody. They'll come see you. But when you finally get on campus as a student, uh, just tell us, walk us through what was that experience like for you, you know, being there to, where you obviously your number one rank coming in, but are you well known on campus or were you, were you just trying to fit in? What was that like? Uh, 
Like coming this year on campus or? Yes. Uh, I guess you could say I was a little well-known. Uh, <laughs> Drew Gilbert kind of made fun of me a little bit for that <laughs> video of me hitting uh, 100 and late point, And I asked him if he saw it. He said, dude, everybody saw it. Um, so I guess I kind of was known a little bit, but uh, I mean, it's pretty nervous meeting everybody, you know, seeing them on TV and stuff. You think they're totally different, but they're just like you when you get here. No, absolutely. That's the one thing we've had a lot of your uh, former, you know, former Tennessee players and current teammates. The one thing that's always stuck out to us on this podcast is just how down to earth and humble all the guys were, even though you're exceeding expectations, doing all these crazy things. But for you guys in, in specific, I mean, you coming on, you know, several years ago, Tennessee baseball was not really even a thing, right? Nobody on campus probably even went to the games. And now you guys are coming in off the heels of, of a Omaha run and you're like the net, you're just up and coming. What Tony V's building and what you guys are a part of has just got to be special. So, you know, for you to be what he wants to build that with has got to mean something to both of you guys. But I'm going to get into some games, but I got to read off some stats for you, Burns, man. So this year, record 6-0, and 1.51 ERA, 57 strikeouts, 14 walks. I mean, just really dominating. And we've seen some pretty dominant performances from you this year. I mean, is that something that you just – always had in your bag did you expect to be this successful this early at Tennessee uh to be honest honestly I was kind of unsure you know going from high school ball to college ball especially SEC the highest collegiate ball you can go to I feel like I was a little uneasy at first uh but you know once I got here and started throwing in the fall and in spring games you know I had to adjust a lot you know you hang something now they bang it so you know it's a little bit different, but once I got uh, ready for it, you know, now it's just come secondhand too. Randy, when you think about it, I mean, he's pitching to the best lineup in the spring, getting ready for the season. So it doesn't get any better for practice. That's true. But we've talked about on this podcast, the guys went on an incredible run last year, made Omaha for the first time in forever. But coming into the season, I was, you know, griping to Jim and he was agreeing that they, it was not, you guys were probably in the top 25, but people were kind of like, man, they lost a lot. I don't know what it's going to look like. What's that lineup going to be? The pitching, they lost a lot. So it wasn't like you guys came in like, oh, they're going to go even further than they did last year. Let's be real. They were, it was uncertain. You know, it's not often that you're going to say, hey, you know, we got Blade, who obviously was, you know, first-round draft pick material, but he's hurt. Halverson coming in, he's hurt. So now we're going to have three – well, two freshmen and obviously Dolander coming in as, as a sophomore, but – you know, that's not exactly what you say. Oh, well, yep, we're going to Omaha again. We're going to be 32-1, and 12-0 and 0 in the SEC. But, Burns, you don't seem like the kind of guy that wants to talk about your own accolades, so I'm going to read them off for you, man. D1 baseball midseason All-American team, D1 baseball midseason top pitcher and top freshman, Golden Spikes award midseason watch list, SEC freshman of the week, 2022 Shriners Children's College Classic All-Tournament team. When you hear all that said about yourself, you said you were uncertain. What's the sense of pride like that you've been able to have the success that you've had so far? Uh, gives me a lot of confidence, you know, coming in this season, as you say, like all the people getting hurt. Uh, I think the pitching staff is getting kind of disrespected a little bit, you know, two Absolutely. freshmen on the weekend and then a guy that they say that couldn't throw in the SEC and look at him now. I mean, yep. so I think all of uh, us three just being a little disrespected and now we got a little chip on our shoulder. And, and I love it, man. We're going to get into some of that uh, chip on the shoulder and 
but you guys have obviously made history, right? So you just continue in history. You set the record for starting the season off with the most SEC wins, 12-0, and 23 straight wins. But I got to ask you, for you, Burns, what has been your favorite performance so far this year? Uh, I would have to say the old Miss one, you know, yeah. going to a going to a different place. You know, I haven't been I haven't been there in forever uh, with 14 or 15,000 fans as a freshman, you know, all yelling at you, saying some words at you, then going in there and shoving it down their throat. Hey, bro, know. they got quiet pretty quick. <laughs> oh, well, that, I was waiting to They were, they were gone. Look, I was at that game. I'm a season ticket holder because I live right down the road. Uh, they were gone by the fourth inning, my man. <laughs> I mean, my favorite part was just hearing throw it in the dirt, and then everybody would yell "dirt." So, I mean, <laughs> so that was your favorite performance for you. What is might be the same one, but what has been your favorite game as a team that you guys have won so far this year? Uh. I think my favorite was probably the Iona game, just everyone hitting home runs. I mean, you would sit down and then you have to get back up to go celebrate. So that was my favorite. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you my favorite just because, you know, obviously we had this podcast and Jim and I and DB are a part of a lot of uh, college baseball talk around Twitter and whatever, whatever. The one fan base to me, and Jim may disagree with this, the one fan base that cries more than any other fan base, and you guys don't have to agree if you don't want to, is Vanderbilt. My goodness. So when you guys go in there and sweep them, and obviously you got the whole Jordan Beck, the bat thing, and and I, I'm with you, though, guys. Uh, you Disrespected is the right word because all everybody talked about was these offensive numbers, and they're historical. I'm not discounting what they're doing. But when you look at what you – and you three specifically have done from a pitching standpoint, it's, it's unprecedented. And obviously DB's a pitcher. So that's, he gravitates towards that. Oh, look, I want bombs. I want bat flips, but what you guys doing is just, it's dominant. And to me, that's the, that's gotta be as big of a reason you guys are on the streak you're on as the hitting. Cause look, give me good pitching over good hitting all day. That's just the facts, right? Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt was my favorite one. I hope y'all do it again soon. But <laughs> last I mean, question. It's, it's, it's crazy because, Guys, when we started the season talking about, you know, college baseball and projections, the one talk was, well, if Tennessee is going to be able to do what they are, what they did last year, then they're going to have to figure out how to fill the holes on the ball. And to be honest, like we knew you guys were going to be hitters and, and score runs and have a lot of fun doing it. But you guys are, are really like, lighten it up on the mound so man like that kudos to y'all because y'all took took the challenge and, and and have risen to it and and meet or met all expectations so far hey randy how about that write-up that i did that included both these two guys on there in my prediction for them to go to omaha i know we still got a long road ahead but man that thing sure looks good right now i might frame that thing and absolutely so last question i have for you guys you know burns you talked about how you guys you know felt disrespected and obviously you know now you guys are coming around the starting pitching is getting a lot of attention uh but we've talked about it a lot it's not just this the weekend staff right you guys obviously have blade tidwell i could go down the list right you got redmond walsh your exceptional depth as a pitching staff i mean you guys are on another level and it's arm after arm after arm i mean you got a guy throwing 104 coming in and he almost took that guy's head off in the missouri series i felt for him then i laughed 
But when you guys are having these meetings and you're talking to each other coming into the season, obviously you guys have confidence, but I'm not going to ask the same question again. Did you, are you surprised by the success, but do you guys talk about it now? Like, this is what we should be doing. We should be this dominant as a staff. Uh, yeah, I think we all knew before the season, you know, just with all the people that we had and what they've done. Um, I think we all knew that we were going to be pretty successful. Uh, I mean, we all help each other. So, you know, that's, that's a plus. So, you know, I think the team chemistry between the pitchers is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all's, y'all's depth is, is second to none. And that's why, you know, I think it's important, you know, like we said, long season ahead, but, um, you know, people are saying, are they peaking too early? And my thought process is, you know, because they're comparing you to previous teams from previous years. And I've never seen a team, as Randy was talking about, whether you're talking about the starters or in the bullpen that has this kind of depth. And I was like, I don't even think they're done peaking. So, um, you know, shout out to y'all. So, Chase. Hey, real quick, real quick. Sorry, Jim. I, I got I got This is what I want to point out about your staff, too. I saw Drew Beam talking about, you know, obviously Blade coming back and how they're going to mix. Everybody's question is, is Blade going to be back starting Sundays, whatever? And his quotes about that were just – it shows what kind of team you guys are. He said, listen, man, if Blade comes back and takes his Sunday spot, I'll gladly take my bullpen role. And that's a guy that, like the rest of you, has been dominant. I mean, he's complete games doing his thing. So I think that, to me, shows me more about the peaking too early, like Jim talked about. You guys are in it for the long haul. It's not about individual accolades. It's about we all have a goal, and it's to be hoisting that trophy at the end of the year. For sure. So – Chase, you know, we talk about the Georgia Southern, we talk about the transfer of Tennessee, you know, talk to me how that process exactly goes down, you know, so everybody knows. Obviously, we know Tony V reached out to you, but how did that whole thing play out? So I'll take you from the beginning. Um, so first things first, you got to kind of call your head coach um, that you're currently with and tell him that you're, you're ready to go. And uh, that's not that's not an easy phone call to have at all. Did, did you did you put it off? Because we had R.J. Yeager just a couple of weeks ago talking about when he had to make the phone call to Mercer to say he's going to Mississippi State, and he said he put it off a little bit. Yeah, I definitely put it off. My mom <laughs> was like, "You need to do it." I was like, "All right, tomorrow." <laughs> like, it was kind of one of those things, but yeah, that that phone call was not easy at all. But um, so so then you have to like call compliance and stuff like that, get your name on the portal, and so. The next morning I was in the, I was in the transfer portal and funny story was my little brother was having a uh, football camp at South Carolina. And so that morning I get into the, I get into the portal and the first team to call me was Texas tech. And so I was like, already like what in the world is going on? And then I was on phone calls for the next six straight hours, just phone call after phone call after phone call, just blowing up. And I was, I didn't, I was stressed out because I didn't know what was going on. But Carolina got one that I was there, and um, they just kind of invited me over just to check out the facility and stuff. And so they were my first offer, and having a first offer from SEC was kind of crazy to me. But um, going into it, I, I kind of narrowed it down to about five to eight teams the next day. And it, the list kind of uh, came with um, Tennessee, Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss. Do you realize how wild it is what you're saying? You had two offers before. Now you're talking about narrowing it to five to 18. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was insane, dude. And then the next thing you know, uh, Texas Tech is at my house just visiting with me. Uh, And then Coach V and Coach Anderson come to the house and I meet them. It it was just crazy. And I go on, I went on three official visits one, one to Texas Tech, one to Arkansas, one to Tennessee. 
And I, I just kind of fell in love with the coaching staff and the, and the, the atmosphere here. I kind of told my mom I wasn't really looking at facilities and stuff like that. It was more kind of what the coaches had for me and what they were going to do for me. Yeah, I mean, when I just think about what you just said, look, because like I said, I brought it back around to the two. The, the two schools that you just listed that it came down to along with it, because um, I, I saw the rankings today. So the number one, the number three, and the number five school all, re, all reached out to you. That's just – Man, amazing turn of events. It, speak, it speaks to, you know, how you grew as a pitcher, you know, freshman year, the development and what they saw in you. And clearly uh, Tony, Tony V saw in you and you, you clearly made the right choice looking at how things are playing out right now. So with that, you know, what's it been like for you? You know, we, you know, we asked Burns this, you know, what is it like playing for Tony V, man? Is it like every guy we talk to, we, we ask this question and then we kind of get the same answer, but it never gets old asking. I mean, what's it like playing for that guy? It's freaking awesome, dude. I mean, his energy in the dugout is probably the, the highest that, out of anybody's. I mean, he, he beats some of the players sometimes, and it's crazy. Uh, I mean, you'll see him after – probably after Beckham running, he's probably running on the field, being all crazy and stuff, and the next thing you know, he's on the, on the, on the, uh, the fence just standing there all calm. And it's like, how do you just flip a switch like that? But, yeah. um, but everybody, everybody always says he's such a player's coach, and that, that's the most truthful thing I've ever heard. And he, he really, truly does care about us and our futures and stuff like that. And that I can't really ask for much more. Yeah. All right. I, all right. Hold, hold on now. We, we, all, we always get the, the good side of Tony V. I need the, <laughs> the real side. When, when you guys are not let, – let's just say this. When you're not playing up to expectation, like, what is that like? What is uh, all right? I'm just gonna lay it out. I, I, Daniel, what is a what is a Tony V asked you and feel like and sound like? Because I know he probably like lay, lays into you guys. Before he answers, Daniel, I'm gonna tell you. I actually saw a a Tony V pissed off face, other than arguing about a bat. Because remember, I was at the Shiners Classic when they lost to Texas. I saw his face, so I do know they get chewed out. But I'll go ahead and let him answer. The one word I have for that is scary. Like the entire team is scared. It's to the point where you don't know what to say. He just kind of leaves you speechless. And it's just kind of one of those things. He, he says what he wants to say and he walks off and he's done. And you, you just kind of there like, okay, like what do we do? But I mean, that that dude, he he scares me, but he he's he's an awesome coach. No, it speaks to his character though, because if he can get on to you like that, and then you know you shake you shake it off and move on, then. But when I was when I was in Oxford watching, I sent both these guys the pictures, and and Randy, you know, because he's the Tennessee fan, he you know he he understands that and knew that already. But I was watching, and you know he's walking and talking with players individually. He's leading multiple different group meetings. He's hitting balls to the outfielders. He's throwing BP. There isn't any part of it that, that he's not involved in. And I've and I go to games everywhere and watch all these different teams. And I've never seen anything like that. So I mean, I, I think he's just next level. And you know, there's people that like to hate on him. Man, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a player's coach, but I don't I think they should go to a game and watch him. And you know, I even talked to some of the parents at that game and they said, you know, you were talking about how much he cares about you. They said they said that he, you know, he texts, he calls, he checks on y'all, you know, during the week. So, I mean, you know, shout out to him. But back to you, you know, we could do a whole episode on Tony V. This ain't even about him. <laughs> uh, your season so far, man, 6-0, 3.0 ERA, 70 Ks to eight walks. I want to start right there. Forget 
forget the six and oh. Let's talk about that strikeout to walk ratio. I mean, I've watched you live now twice pitch. You go right at the zone, man. Like, I mean, is, is that the approach? Is that the way you are? I'm coming at you and, you know, I dare you to hit it. Yeah, that's kind of what I kind of what Coach A wanted me to be this year. Last year, I was a little timid to do it. But now that I have that extra confidence and that better mentality, I just kind of like, here it is, you can't hit it. It's just kind of one of those mentalities. And it's, it's worked out really well for me. So I mean, absolutely. I mean, keep keep pounding. And I mean, I, I love seeing the you know, the strikeout to walk ratio like that. It's such a big deal. You know, the, the walks produce runs so many times and, and it's such a big deal. So I love I love seeing that single digit walks, um, you know. So as far as accolades, no different than we were we were reading off of Burns. I mean, you got Golden Spikes Award mid midseason watch as well. You were named SEC Pitcher of the Week you know, multiple different things. I could go down this list. I mean, did you expect to have this kind of success early? I wouldn't say this early just because of um, how timid I was going into it. Coming from the Sun Belt to, to the SEC is kind of crazy. And I, I didn't know really what, what was going to happen. Um, but now looking at it, like, that's just something that I kind of expect now. And that's that's who I've kind of turned into be and – I don't really, I don't really want to look back from it because it's turned me into the pitcher I am today, and I can't really complain about it. Absolutely. Well, I got a two-part question. I got to first know what the emotions were like pitching against Georgia Southern after that being your previous team, and two, you know, that was actually one of your performances where you weren't just, you know, rock solid. Were you were you laying laying points for your old team? What's going on? <laughs> So the emotions going into it, it I was pretty excited. I, I was I was hyped up just because no disrespect to them, but a lot of them just kind of ghosted me and just didn't want anything to do with me. They were kind of mad that I transferred. And so I I just kind of had like like Burns has said, I, I had a little chip on my shoulder. I know I know that sounds weird being at Tennessee now, but um it it just kind of made me want to do that much better. Um and Co Coach Anderson came up to me one day and he he just told me that that was probably the most his if he had one game to for him to be nervous for me in it would be that one and just because it was my old team and stuff like that but in no way was I giving them runs in, in <laughs> any sort of fashion I'll tell you that right now uh yeah I just had I had noticed you gave up a few runs I was like hmm it seems a little suspect here nah not at all dude they, they got that one solid bunt that I couldn't get to and that, that was, that was really about it. And then, then they have that little the little lefty that stands basically on the plate and you can't really do much with them so I'm really surprised they ghosted you. We talked to a lot of guys who've transferred, and they and they stay pretty tight. So yeah, shame on them. But uh, you know, what's been your favorite performance this year? You know, we asked the same question, Burns. What's the game that you know just has has really been it for you? I'd have to say the Bandy game, to be honest with you. I, that's probably the one that I was most efficient in, and I had a lot of fun doing it too. Um, I, I gave up those two solo home runs, but well, I've always been told that solo home runs don't kill you, so. Yeah. I just kind of – I laughed it off. I saw the lights going crazy. I was like, this is so insane. And then I just kind of went back into it. Did you know for sure you were coming back out? Because me and Randy were texting in real time, and I actually thought you were going to be done. And then there you were coming back out, and your pitch count was like at like almost 100 or if it wasn't already at 100. So I, I was actually shocked you came back out there. It was at 90. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know I was coming back out. So I just kind of do my little uh, in-between inning routine. I just kind of sit there, and then when two outs get up, two outs come, I get up and do some band stretches, and I, they didn't say anything to me, so I, I just went right back out there and <laughs> tried to get back at it. But 
Well, the, the last thing I'll say about that game, and then I'll turn you over to Daniel, and I, and I messaged you afterward, obviously, on Instagram, man. Uh, we hate the Vandy Whistler, who doesn't, uh, outside of Vandy. Man, you had dude quiet, and so you get a shout-out for me. Anytime you can make the Vandy Whistler absolutely quiet, you're the man. No, I don't just hate the Vandy Whistler. I hate all their fans now. This that <laughs> I promise you, that fan base, they cry so much, man. And, I mean, ever since then, I had a dude try to tell me yesterday that runs one of these Twitter pages that he was, oh, look at the offensive production. It's gone down since the cheating bat thing. So I looked it up, guys. 44 runs in seven games. That is an offensive dip. And, by the way, to you guys' point, you've only allowed 15 runs in the same seven games, 44 to 15. That's a that's really going downhill, guys. Y'all just stepped that shit up. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, right. if that's going downhill, I mean, <laughs> we're sitting pretty good. Yeah. Well, that, hey, by the way, y'all didn't uh, lose a series to Auburn. I'm just saying. <laughs> they better it. worry about their own self, not Tennessee so much. Mm-hmm. So, guys, we're about to have a little fun, play a little game. Burns, I, I did have a question. You know, Chase mentioned, you know, pitch count and being run out there with 90-plus pitches. You know, is is there a magic number that you guys have to stay under to stay in, or is it based on feel? Like, what what is the thought process as far as how many innings or how many pitches you're going to throw? Uh, I think it's kind of off of feel of them. You know, once you come in the dugout, they're always kind of looking at you, trying to check your vibe, see if you're tired, see if you're still good, so now you're calm or you're you're too pumped up. So. There isn't really a magic number. They just kind of look at you, see. I mean, they get feedback from Russ to let them know, like, hey, is it still coming in good? You know, how's this, how's this stuff? And they kind of just check on you. But there's no really magic number, honestly. So y'all be looking at Evan Russell like you better tell him it's still good. Right? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah honestly. <laughs> <laughs> better not tell him a thing. I wish, yeah. I, I wish Evan Russell would say I'm not – my velo is not good. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I mean, you know, it. there's a psychology to it, man. I'm sure, like, these guys are asking questions to get feedback from everybody. They're like, you know, hey, you know, middle infield, what's it look like coming from your angle? Hey, you know, Evan, what, what's it look like from there? And then the last person they talk to is the guy that's actually throwing the damn baseball. Yeah. <laughs> are y'all ever like, Evan, you're a new catcher. You don't even know what it's supposed to look like. That's right. <laughs> Oh, that man's been uh, killing it. Evan, when you get on Wednesday, yeah, you've been killing it, dog. Dude, yeah. it, it's crazy what he's been been able to do just in this one year. That's a, It's a tough position. It's uh, probably – I mean, I'd love to say pitching is the most vital position, but a catcher is, is, is <laughs> pretty – Pretty in- integral to the to the success of a team. Guys, the best message was I texted him when I was on my way to Houston, and I said, you better hit a bomb if I'm going to come there. And his exact response was, and I told the guys this, he said, I'm just worried about catching more than I am hitting. He said, and that's what coach is all over me about. <laughs> well, guys, we've uh, we've got the story we got from, from your beginning all the way up to where you are now. So before we let y'all run, let's play a little game called This or That. Y'all down? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. To make this easy, I'm going to address – Chase first and then Burns. So, Chase, every question that I ask, you'll answer first. Burns, you'll follow up with your answer to the question. It's simple. I give you one question. You pick one option or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Be decisive. Be quick. 
Whatever you're feeling, just answer it that way. You guys right. good? Let's do it. All right. First question. Would you rather have the daddy hat or the fur coat? Daddy hat. Daddy hat. Oh, man. I mean, that, that fur coat looks looks fire, but, I mean, I guess that's a Knoxville thing. Those daddy hats are, are, are where it's at. Um, one finger touch of the plate or checking your bat after a home run? Checking the bat for sure. One finger touch. That one finger touch is a baller ass move. Dude. Can't go wrong with either one. No, nope, not at all. Who has better bombs, Beck or Lip Lipscomb? Beck. Beck. Looks like a Viking out there doing it. I yeah. Insane. He's a massive human being. Yeah. <laughs> I told him his tower comes from that hair flow he's got. Yeah, it does. Definitely something. What's a better baseball movie, The Sandlot or Rookie of the Year? Sandlot. Sandlot. Man, I, I, I thought this was possible for just a split second. I thought they were going to be like, I've never seen either one of those. Oh, movies. so I was worried. Oh, <laughs> oh come on. Uh, and the only reason I threw Rookie of the Year in there, Daniel, was because they were pitchers. So I thought maybe they'd have some feel for that movie. I mean, <laughs> If, you didn't put trouble are. with the curve in there. I'm glad. It's a classic. <laughs> All right. Is, so the, the next question is taking a, a, a life of its own. It was a question that was thrown out as just kind of a test question to the new season that we had. And now it has its own surveys. People are voting on it on social media. People are giving oh. feedback. But. I'll ask you guys, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes or no? No. No. Well, see, I, I agree with that. I think hot dog is its own thing, but yep. Jim Jim swears that it's, it's y'all's fault. It's y'all's fault that it is a sandwich. And I'm, let me explain. When I went to the Shriners Classic, they had a hot dog sandwich there. And it was absolutely phenomenal. So now I'm convinced that a hot dog is a sandwich. They what they did was they took two hot dogs, they cut them in half, split them, laid them across toast. It was it was magnificent. I feel like that's a whole different thing, though. It is. Hey, they once you split it in half, they found a way to reinvent it. So I, I mean, I'm going to give it its due. That's like saying, like that's like taking an ice cream sundae and then saying it's the same thing as a milkshake. So it Daniel, Daniel, what's it, your it, real, it ain't. you know what your real problem is? Is because you have such a thing about the Astros cheating. You hated that they cheated on a hot dog sandwich too. Uh, you're right. Yeah, right. bump the Astros. Bump them. Unless y'all play for them, then we'll root for them. <laughs> Maybe. No. Um, is uh, would you rather be the funniest guy in the room or the smartest guy in the room? Funniest. Smartest. That's coming from the guy that could have went to Vanderbilt right there. <laughs> guy in the room. Oh, I want a, a little sidebar. Who's the smartest guy on your team? I didn't realize that Lipsius is an aerospace engineer. Him and Redmond yeah. are the smartest. Yeah. And to be honest with you, dude, Ben Joyce is smart as crap, too. Oh, yeah. Smart and throws 104. Yeah. Hair. I hate him already. <laughs> are they are they smart like they walk in and they want you to know how smart they are? Or you just kind of you know because you know what classes and the course load and, and like I think what? it's more that we just know what the classes are. Well, I think it's because Lipschitz is 42 years old. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> He's he's working on his doctorate. <laughs> Literally. So 
right, guys. Now we're getting into the the meaty questions. So the next question, I got to add some uh, a preface. You know, I'll explain it a little bit. So hold off on your answer. Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? And let me explain. People who say the glass is half full are more positive. They look for the good in everything. People who say the glass is half full says, I'm under pressure and I thrive under pressure because I know I don't have much in this glass and I got to fill it up so I can't fail. So what is it? Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? I'd say half full. Half full. Well, positive. I could see that. It's easy to be positive when you're sitting at the top of the mountain. <laughs> All right. Would you, would you rather spend 10 years in a coma or five years in jail? Five years in jail. Five years in jail. Well, there's Gilbert's roommates. <laughs> Look, guys. I mean, people come on this show and we ask this question. It's probably one of our two staple questions. And most people lie right to my face, just like y'all just did. I can't believe it. I thought y'all were stand-up guys and y'all talking about taking jail. Only, look, only Pavoloni, I think, is taking coma. He's the wise I, one. Look, I, I'll, I'll explain it to you. I'm 37, and I say this all the time. At this age, I know what I'm good at. And what I am not good at. I know that I'd never been to jail, but I know I would not be good at it. Nothing that happens in jail would be something I, that I would be good at. All right. But I do know that I can sleep and nap. So I know a coma, like I could do that. No problem. <laughs> Wake up, figure it out. So give me the, the, the 10 year nap. I ain't, I ain't going to jail, but y'all picking jail. That's a, that's a rough five years. Y'all sure about that? I mean, I don't know if I can do 10 years without anything, though. You're just laying there. I think I might change my answer, honestly. Oh, come on. Yeah, smart thinking. Comma. Yep. Coma. There you go. That a boy. That a boy. All right. Last, last question. Would you rather be the first pick in the first round of the draft, but the caveat to that is you have to get rid of all of your current friends? Or would you rather be the last pick in the draft and you get to keep all your friends? Don't lie this time. I'll say last pick. Oh. First, first pick. <laughs> there you, hey, man, man, boy. you can make new friends, baby. That's you can right. buy new friends, man. It's it's uh, last year it was about a eight million dollar difference. So timeout. Now those friends are the fake ones though. Chase, Chase, hold up now. You're talking about a guy that transferred maybe better disposition a little bit from Georgia Southern to Tennessee now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, coming, coming from a high school where I didn't really have many friends, I mean, they kind of stuck anyway. So. But see, now you got new friends, and those other dudes ghosted you. You can make yeah, new friends. Yeah, that's what friends. I was going to say. They, even, <laughs> they don't even know who you are anymore. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they knew who he was when he was dominating them, though. Well, if, you, if you haven't figured it out, the three of us have all said we would ditch each other. We taking the bag. <laughs> yeah. These dudes have been my friends for a while, but put that bag in front Holla. of me and see ya. See ya. All right, guys. Uh, Chase, I'll start with you, man. Anything you want to plug or promote while we got you? Uh, I don't really have anything, to be honest. Just, I don't know. Nothing really. Burns, what about you? Nothing, man. 
See, see, I knew y'all were going to say that. So I, I, I got it covered for you. So if y'all want to know more about Chase Burns, y'all follow him on Instagram at Chase Burns too. If you want to know more about our boy Dolly at little doe zero one on Instagram, if you just want to follow University of Tennessee base, baseball on Instagram at vol underscore baseball, check them out Tuesday night at Tennessee Tech, 630 SEC Plus Network. Then Alabama, number 24 team is coming into town Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 630 Friday, 6 p.m. Saturday, 1 o'clock Sunday, all on SEC Plus. Guys, it has been an honor. I wish you nothing but the best. If there's anything we can do for y'all, please reach out to us and, and we'll, we'll get you out there, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was awesome. No problem. That is Chase Dolander and Chase Burns. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to plug those sponsors. When we come back, we got some headlines. We're going to talk college baseball and the upcoming NBA playoffs. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We're going to talk some headlines leading off. We're going to talk college baseball. Jim, I'm going to go straight to you, man. You are the, the source. You're my guy. I think you break more stories in group text than anybody I know. So talk to me a little bit about this week's slate of games, um, what you saw, what were you impressed by, what were you not so much impressed by. Uh, talk to me. Well, let's let's start with where me and you were wrong. You know, we said Miami's always a fraud, right? Well, I, I, I still I still am putting them in the in the <laughs> well that one that one green and gold team, but I you know they 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 are now ranked second after a sweep of number three Virginia. So as much as I hate being wrong, Daniel, we I mean we got to start there and, and give them their due. And I I bet Randy will agree. There's no way he could have ever predicted that. Would that not be your your your, your biggest upset of the the weekend, Randy? I gotta say so, man. They were very impressive. As much as I don't want them to be. So, I I said it once and I'll say it again. They're gonna blow it in the ninth. You watch. You just watch. Miami doing what they do. This ain't the 80s, right? Were, were you, Jim, were you more surprised that Virginia just got beat the way they did or more surprised that Miami might actually be as good as advertised? More surprised that they're as good as advertised. I mean, it's, it's like you said, it doesn't matter the sport. Miami's one of those schools that – kind of gets a lot of overhype. I mean, look at look at currently Florida and Florida State, you know, they get they dropping out of rankings and stuff. It, it feels like it feels like those schools down in Florida, you know, get a lot of hype and then they let you down. Miami, I'm thinking coming into this series, Virginia's gonna take it to the woodshed and couldn't be more wrong. I got a different take on this this weekend's baseball action, guys. I want to talk about a disappointing team. And I called them out earlier in the episode. I'm calling them out again. Vanderbilt baseball. All that talking about how they Tennessee didn't beat them, they beat themselves, and then they go out and lose a series to Auburn. To Auburn, boys. And not only that, they get beat Friday night, come back Saturday and win like 19-4, to four, had 23 hits. So they're thinking they got all the momentum only to come out Sunday and get beat 8-2. to two. They got took to the woodshed by Auburn. No disrespect to Auburn at all. Those guys are scrappy. They're playing hard. But Vanderbilt baseball going from – 
who was really preseason favored in the SEC on a lot of different publications. Not going to say this one, but those guys ain't very good. I think we got to call a Spanish page. Hey, Randy, I'm looking at the rankings right here in front of me. Nowhere are they in the top 25, my friend. They are not. And I'm glad that D1 finally caught up. D1, we got some issues. Well, I'll speak for myself. I got some issues that it took it took them too long to put Tennessee at the top. But now they can't deny them. Nobody can deny them. Them boys are on fire. But but I'll tell you, I thought what you were going to say for disappointing team, and this disappoints all of us. It breaks all of our hearts. Arkansas, we don't want Florida to win in anything. And we sure don't want Brady Tiger to take his first loss to Florida. That's what I was going to say. The, the part that, that hurts is, is Brady taking his first L and, and it being to Florida really gives me indigestion, so I just wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> but, I mean, at, at, at some point, Florida's one of those teams at some point, as much as we don't like them, they're good enough to beat anybody, you know, a, any given weekend if that somebody doesn't play to their expectations. I, I didn't see what – uh, how Arkansas played, but my guess is is they they had a down weekend in comparison to the past weekend. Yeah, they did. And and I and I tell you, you know, sticking with the SEC, you know, obviously Randy talked about Auburn. They they jumped to seventeen. Alabama's jumped to twenty four. And the reason they did, and that's where I want to go with this. Ole Miss and Mississippi State both getting swept out. And meanwhile, Southern Miss has climbed to number eleven. Southern Miss is running the state of Mississippi, boys. Hey, I saw it said, and this could absolutely turn out to be true. Some Southern Miss fans said that there will be a regional hosted in the state of Mississippi, but it's going to be in Hattiesburg. And I think that's going to hold true because Ole Miss didn't just get swept out over the weekend. They lost their midweek game to none other than Southern Miss. I mean, hey, Randy, how crazy would it be if one of those ends up going through that region? I think they they will. I I hope both of them are there. (laughs) Well, I think – one of the last spots, if Southern Miss ends up hosting, which in, in, in all indications they will, that last spot could go to a Mississippi State or Ole Miss. And I, to be honest, guys, I don't really like either one of their chances. I just, I just don't. The, 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 pit, the pitching, man, and, you know, obviously I was at that game Friday night, boys, and – Mississippi State had control of that game. The old time Preston Johnson went out there. IOTV guests absolutely dealt six strong innings, and then Casey Hunt comes in seventh and eighth. They get it. They get to the ninth. Two outs, man. Nobody on. You walk two, then you and and by walking two, you get around to the top of the lineup. Trey Morgan gets a hit. Cruz gets a bomb. It's it's curtains, man. They had the game. It, it, it was and that and that's showing. You know, you talk about sometimes good te- good teams find a way to win. I actually think, and and I'm not saying anything that's going to offend anybody because the Mississippi State dads were standing right there next to me. Bad teams find a way to lose, and that's what that felt more like. That's yeah, facts. Yeah, bad. You know, it's almost one of those games where. Who wants to lose it the most ends up finding out how to lose it. And you don't want to be that team that's labeled the team that, you know, can't figure out how to win because that's a, that's a, it's a dark place to be a very, very dark place. And, you know, for, for a team to get rid of that stigma is very tough and it puts a lot of pressure on you and it really takes the, the, 
joy out of playing and winning games because you're working so hard to dig yourself out of the hole. And I, to be to be honest, like the social media for both of those teams is some of the roughest. Like when it comes to losing, I I can only imagine what what some of the people are saying right now. It's crazy. Hey, one team that we haven't brought up yet. And I got to ask you guys, I kind of wondered, you know, Texas State, right? We they shot up in the rankings, got to, you know, top 10. And then they play in the midweek against A&M. They get doubled up eight to four. Then they play a team that we're pretty familiar with here in Georgia Southern, just had the guest on, the former Georgia Southern player. And they lose the series to them. And they only dropped to 19. Jim, I got to ask you, man. I don't think they should even be in the rankings anymore after a one and four week, man. I just don't see it, man. I mean, I have to agree with you. Uh, but you know, the, the rankings, does it, does it really matter at the end of the day with so much season left? Like, you know, we, we talk about that. We, we get disgruntled with, with some of the rankings outside of like, you know, your top five teams, does it really matter all that much? I mean, so let them have it. It is what it is. I don't know. It, it, it was like, so I'll give you another, another team. DBU. All right. They swept the weekend. All right. They moved up. That's why you're bringing them up. So, well, but, but here's the thing. They went they're number 16. They move up. They went three and oh, but the three and oh was against Missouri state. First game was a Friday night game was four to three Saturday's game. They won 17, 16, and then they blew them out on Sunday. Like, is that like, is that an indicator of a good team beating a bad team? Well, their most impressive win was probably their midweek game over Baylor. Right. But, I mean, what is it that – what to me, I don't know what – what says I'm moving you up in a ranking other than who you play on the weekend. Like, the midweek games, we've had the conversation before. For some, they mean a lot. For others, they don't. Um, give you, a, 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 I guess – so Tennessee tomorrow they play Tennessee Tech. Obviously, a game they should win, no matter. Wooden bats. But that's the thing. Like, is it a game if Tennessee lost that would would it mean much? It would only matter because they're they've won twenty three in a row. But I hear you. It would not be the end of the world. And if they come out over the weekend and sweep Alabama, it will mean absolutely nothing. Right, and you know I guess. The second part to that is how much do you have to gain and how much do you have to lose by how you play in the weekend? If you're number one in the country, you don't have a lot to gain by winning a lot, but you sure as hell have a shit ton to lose if you don't play well. Let me ask you, DB, because you're, you know, I know how Jim feels about this. So you're, you're Tennessee, right? And there's been a lot made. They're polarizing and the celebrations and yada, yada, yada. Jordan Beck made a statement after the Vanderbilt series give us wooden bats. We're still crushing the ball. Fast forward a week and a half later, they're playing a midweek game against Tennessee Tech with wood bats. Tennessee says they proposed it to Tennessee Tech. Tennessee, Tennessee Tech loved the idea, so they're going to do it. My thought on that is, I, at first, I love it, right? Like Because you're really backing up what you say. But what do you gain from that, man? Other than the credibility of saying, well, first, you got to go out and put up or shut up. What if, if you don't? That, if you don't, there's really nothing to gain other than you're giving a mediocre team at best the opportunity to play with you. And you're giving all of the haters more ammunition to say, see, we told you it's those hot bats. 
So I, I guarantee you, well, you know, I guarantee you they, they're swinging lumber. They're, 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 they're taking BP. They're hitting a lot with it in the cages. Um, but it all also comes down to who's playing, who's in the lineup, you know, like how are they staffing this game? I mean, are they, are they doing rotation or are they going to throw guys one or two innings? Like what, what are we talking about here? They are I mean, probably going to platoon pitch it. I, I would say so. I mean, they're, they're guy, they, they know who their guys are on the weekends right now. They know what those six, seven guys are. And like, they're not going to deviate from the plan that they've been working on just because they got wood bats or, you know, for a Tuesday night game. But I will say I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this. Um, so Very I'll, intrigued. I'll, I'll be, you know, I might, I might try to tune in. If they go up there and throw a 20 spot with wooden bats, I'd like to hear what people got to say then. My Twitter finna be lit. They're going to they gonna look at the pine tar being too high. They're going to talk about the there's tennis balls inside hollowed out Sammy bags. Sosa's bag. Whoa, which, by the way, if we talking college baseball, we talking pine tar. Tell I was me, about y'all. to bring it up. Uh, yes, we, I think you sent it. Are you the one that sent it yeah. to me? Yeah, I did. Go ahead. Uh, then I'll give, you the, I'll give you the platform. So Central Florida and Memphis are playing a game right here in the great 901. And Central Florida guy hits a home run and the umpires are holding the bat, you know. And at first, I think it's similar to the Tennessee game where they're checking for the stickers, yada, yada, yada. But then they start laying it down on home plate, like measuring it. Then they call the guy out and Central Florida's coach comes out and he's going ballistic. And they, you know, they tell him why and he goes even more ballistic. Well, somewhere in the middle of this, the Memphis pitcher says something to the coach and he says something back and they're literally about to get to fighting bench is clear after all that the coach gets ejected from the game the pitcher gets ejected from the game everything calms down the umpires reconvene and they say you know what we made a mistake it's safe the home run counts my question is not about the pontar subjective i think it's a stupid rule but my question to both of you jim you first after all that how in the hell as an umpire and crew, do you say, you know what, we're reversing that call? I mean, are you surprised? Like, I'm the biggest guy who has a problem with officiating and everything. So you think I'm surprised by the fact that they went back and did that? Two-part question for you, Jim. Which was a better ejection, your ejection this past weekend (laughs) or the Central Florida's coach? My favorite ejection was actually the Memphis pitcher. Like he oh, was, he was he was coming at the coach finger pointing. I don't know what he was saying, but I imagine it was explicit that were great. When when I saw the video, Greg Gasson kept saying that the coach was going after after Coach Rock, but yeah. I don't know if that was the case. It didn't look like that was the case. And it looked, and it, like he, he was. He said, "I'm a man. I'm 40, and I don't care if you're a 20 something year old dude. I'm." Let's Come go. Get you some. Uh, DB. I was going to say, well, as far as my objection, hey, Daniel will tell you, we once upon a time had a guest had the name of Lawrence Dockery for soccer. Anyway, he will tell you that the first rule in the handbook is you are to not address the parents. And so to tell my wife to calm her ass down, he not only broke a rule, but then upset a dad, and that did not go well. I, husband, I, got, a, I got a question, Jim. Did she calm her ass down? I don't know. I had to, I had to leave. So, He's, so. He wasn't there for the follow-up. 
DB, I got a two-part question for you. First of all, get your thoughts on how they can overturn the call. But my second part is you were a college pitcher. You pitched in high school. Have you ever had words with the opposing manager? Um, no, because usually the players, like if every team I played for, like we've rallied around the coach. So if the coach says something, the team embodies it. And so it's really more the team overshadowing the one person, the coach. Um, so no, I've never had like a coach. I've had plenty of teams and chatter and individual players from the dugout you know, have words and us have words back and forth. But I mean, at the end of the day, the next batter can get one to the dome and, and we can end that right there. So that was my next question. Even though it wasn't the UCF players that did that, their, their coach did. So when the game finally reconvenes and now if you're Memphis, you feel like you got screwed because they called him out, they reconvene, kick him out. Say, is the next guy catching one? I think so. I think they have to. I mean, you know, you can and, and you can blame that on the umpires. You can you can say y'all taking this because that dude right there. <laughs> Wear it, like it. You ain't gotta love it, but you're gonna take it. I thought that would be your answer. Yeah, I, I mean it's it was just a crazy. I I feel like I I can't see anything new, and then you got coaches going after players and fingers pointing in the air and chest you know puffed out man that's crazy it's, it's crazy but um jim anything left to to talk about i guess we could you know talk about some of the this week games coming up and and obviously number one against number 24 alabama's you know in the top 25 i mean they had a good showing this past weekend what are what are your thoughts on that game and maybe any other games that that we need to highlight for this weekend yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Tennessee definitely doesn't need to sleep on Alabama at all. Um, the one that, you know, because Randy brought up Auburn and Vanderbilt, it, so Mississippi State desperately needs some wins. Or, uh, you know, they, they ain't even going to make it to Hoover, let alone a regional. And so you got an Auburn team that's feeling really good about themselves um, after, you know, their series with Vanderbilt ranked 17 now coming in, um, Mississippi State has got to dig deep and find a way or this, it could be curtains already. If Auburn comes in there and takes care of business, um, they'll fall so, so far below 500 in the SEC play. I can't see them um, getting out. So let's root for them state boys. They've been good to us on here. Um, we've done a lot of talk about Miami, guys. We got a rank. We got a rank showdown with Miami. Miami's got to go to Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is going to put Miami <laughs> back in their place. Put, I'm put, not it, picking it, any more it, teams from Virginia. It's happening. It's happening. Watch, Jim. Really, really, the big the big matchup is is one of your Omaha picks, Stanford. They're they got a big one against UCLA this weekend. You know, twenty-two versus twelve. Uh, and and I watched matchup. I watched UCLA in um, Texas. I mean, and they took two out of three. Um, they beat uh, they beat LSU, and then they beat uh, Baylor. So I mean, um, obviously, clearly a solid team. But I mean, I'm still a believer in Stanford. I actually thought you were going to say because one of my Omaha picks was LSU. LSU's got to go to Fayetteville, um, and Arkansas is obviously going to be looking to bounce back hard. So let me let me ask you this, Randy. If if Arkansas has another down weekend, could this be the domino that falls that pushes them, you know, 
maybe on, on this this downward spiral, or do you think they bounce back? I think they bounce back just because of the talent that's there. I don't think that I, I and this isn't just because I'm a Tennessee fan. I think the difference in the separation between one and the rest is is vast. Um, but I think the SEC, there's a bunch. I think between probably four in the bottom, they're all really right there together. I don't think Mississippi State is bad as their record shows. I don't think that Ole Miss is as bad as their record shows. I think Auburn's probably a cut above. I'm not Auburn. Arkansas is probably a cut above. Uh, but, no, I don't think it. But no, if, they're LSU, bounce back. If, if LSU goes in there and takes care of business after – Then they would put them in the second yeah, tier. Yeah, I just – I've said this since the beginning. I LSU gives me pause because they have some of the defensive blunders – that I think come back to get you at the end. And that's why hitting offensively, they're great. Pitching, I mean, it's 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 kind of hit or miss. I think they've been pretty solid the past couple of weeks. I'm still not a firm believer in that defense, though, because I'm well, not talking well, let about me ask routine you guys, plays. Well, let me ask you guys, when we're talking about defense, um, what about the fact that their bullpen, their bullpen is as strong as it is, but yet they're starting pitching? How often is it where you actually got a strong bullpen, literally got – four or five guys who can come in, but you got – you. I mean, uh, Hilliard looked good, good this weekend, but for the most part, you got starters who can't get it done. No, well, I agree. Yeah, part of the problem is is because they have to. True. Like, you, your starting guys aren't getting it done, so there's a shit ton of pressure on the middle relievers or early relievers or late relievers to come in and, and A, stop the bleeding or try not – like try to keep you where you're at so maybe your offense can get you back in the game or keep you in the game or maybe push one across to to, to give you an edge but jim I, i'll ask you there's a big game big big game that we're missing florida vanderbilt do you care um uh, you know I, we had a guest one time that we had to delete his answer because he'd get in trouble if he said it because he said burn them both down um that that would be my answer here, but I'm not gonna get myself in trouble just like him. So um, I, if I had to pick one, just give me Vandy. Right, can't do it. No, I I, I I'm not gonna pick at all. I'm can, not either. Who who you, just, who you got? Dallas Baptist or Bradley? Man, you're forgetting about that, oh, one, bro. You you know DBU. you know it's all about the DBU. Hey, my, my school might win twenty two to twenty one. We're gonna get that dub. Don't don't worry about that. Um, but guys, uh Jim, Randy, anything left? College baseball, y'all ready to, to to move on. Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know what I'm ready to talk about. Well, let's let's go right there. Let's talk NBA, NBA playoffs. Obviously, Grizzlies finished up the season last night. Um, you know, not, not nobody played. Not the greatest game. Obviously, playing a really good Celtics team right now. Um, you know, but you can't take away anything, Randy, that they've done this season. What a remarkable season so far! And I mean, I I, I can't think. Well, I, I guess I'll ask. You know, with when we talk about the grit and grind era as opposed to this era, was. What playoff run are you were you looking more forward to? The one that we're about to embark on or before the playoffs started when, you know, we had those grit and grind guys? Man, it was so new to us then. I remember Jim and I being there 
uh, when it was eight versus one, we had no expectations going into that series. You know, Jim and I were just looking to kick it, see some NBA basketball. Matter of fact, it was a different time because we were sitting up in the nosebleed. So <laughs> now, now you know, we done gone from the from the uh, the Bro, penthouse have you down seen, to have the you basement. Seen those ticket prices for the nosebleed? Oh, no, it's, yeah, it's we, a whole different time. Grizzlies, we got to talk about it, man. They didn't do season ticket holders any justice, but I don't want to besmirch them any. I think I'm more excited. Uh, probably this year, DB, as far as realistic expectations. I think we always knew with the grit and grind teams that we could beat people up and we had a chance, a puncher's chance. I thought that they squandered their opportunity, ironically, when Steven Adams flopped, when Zebo didn't even punch him against the Thunder. <laughs> but now we got Steven Adams on our side and the ceiling is much higher. You're getting your superstar back. Uh, he's a once-in-a-generation superstar. We've never had one like this. And this team is galvanized. They really genuinely love each other uh, all the way from 1 to 15. They got a Coach of the Year candidate, an MVP candidate, a Most Improved candidate, a Sixth Man of the Year candidate, a big man that knows his role. Everybody knows the role, and they love playing for each other. They're really dangerous, and they really have a chance to threaten the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, and I truly do believe that. Jim, you you got uh, a ticket to to the game, correct? Yes. Or one one of them. So what what game are you going to? Going to game two. But before before you ask me that, I want to speak on what Randy just said because I got to go to that VIP experience with Casey um, and hear the players talk about what he said. And that you know that was exactly what each one of those players was doing. They were talking about instead of themselves, they were talking about what the next guy does or what the next guy does. And and I think that also speaks volumes because we know that, but to hear them say that and to to not be selfish and talk about themselves, but yet talk about their teammates really just talks about the chemistry of this team. Yeah, I mean, I you know, when you look at the NBA from a global standpoint, you know that, you know, obviously the teams that have the best chemistry, the teams that are deep the teams that have guys that can come off the bench and, and be producers. Um, those are the teams that you look at that have a chance to, to make runs. But then you talk about, you know, being able to shoot the ball, being able to drive, being able to do all these different things. And on top of that, you can play some defense while you're at it. Like this is a, this is, this is a special team. Um, but Jim, you got you got ticket a ticket to game two. Um, you know, is there any preference on who they play or who you would like to see them play? First, I'll just take it from a fan standpoint. Take the matchup out of it. Who would you rather them play? Um, for okay, so I would from a fan standpoint, or you want the who I would rather them play? Period. First, okay, Clippers. Whoop I, that clip. I because I, I think you know, especially when they talk about Paul George come back. Uh Randy knows we, we ain't we ain't afraid of that. We got three or four different guys, we'll just throw at him all game. I'm not really I'm not really studying that. Kawhi is not coming back. They already said that today. So I the Clippers aren't very deep. Um, I don't think they're very scary. Randy, who do you think they draw? I think. They are going to draw the Timberwolves for the same reasons that Jim just said. They're just catching them a game early. And I, like Jim, would rather see the Clippers because, for one, I hate that fucking team. 
no matter who's wearing the uniform. But uh, I don't love the matchup against the Timberwolves. And you could look over stats in the last 10, and a lot of people think that the Timberwolves win a lot of those games. They really don't. But I just don't like it. When you have Carl Anthony Towns, he's a matchup problem for Steven Adams. He's an athletic big. They can stretch the floor. You got Edwards who, you know, he can either score you 40 or he might shoot you 25 times and not get shit. Uh, but that team's pretty deep. You, for, you, forgot, you forgot a key component, too. Patrick Beverly is pa- a freaking I, nuisance, man. He is, and I know how Jim feels about him, and I, I share some of that, but I also think when you get a guy like Patrick Beverly on the court with a guy like Dylan Brooks, it's a problem more for the Grizzlies because Dylan tends to get hyper-emotional, so that can either go one of two ways. He'll either get locked in and he'll lock somebody down, probably Anthony Edwards, and probably do his thing, or – he starts doing the Anthony Edwards things, and he starts shooting 25, 30 times, and that's not how the Grizzlies will beat them. The Grizzlies will beat them by crashing the boards, playing defense, and doing their thing. So I just don't want – I don't like that matchup as much, DB. But over a seven-game series, I don't think either one of them could beat the Grizzlies. I, I would agree with that. Um, obviously, you know, recency, you know, the team that you probably don't want to match up against is the Timberwolves. I mean, um, but I think at this point in the season, it doesn't matter. You got to play who you match, who, whoever's on the other side of the court, that's who you got to play. Because inevitably, if you want to make it to the promised land, you're going to have to beat, you're going to have to go through Phoenix. And I just thought, like, why not start early with the, the tougher matchups to prepare you for that? The one thing that you can't have is to win these series, but have them drag on like deep into the series and then try to go into Phoenix and go, all right, we're, we're, we spent two series, you know, seven, you know, seven games, you know, and going deep and in, in everything. And we picked up victories, but they weren't, they were hard grinding victories. And now we got to go out here and do the same thing against the best team in the league. So. Let me DB, ask you, let me, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to ask both of you a question, DB first, then Jim, because I'm a Colts fan, and I've seen this, this rest them, and is it better, is it not? I'm anti-rest. I, I don't like the resting thing. I've seen it backfire on the Colts so many times. Obviously, the NFL and the NBA are different, but I'm, I do not believe in resting your players for games on end to get them ready because what we see, what we know, is that the NBA is ultra-fast, and to get into game shape is different than practicing. So, DBU first, where you land on rest? Um. I think it depends on the player. So you take Ja, right? Coming off injury, multiple injuries throughout the season. Like I don't think you can chance it. You take them and you, you you take them and you go. All right, you're one of the best players in the league. Part of you being the best player in the league is because you can rest and be able to bounce back like like nothing's ever happened. Um, but I do to your point. Yes, I I think it's more so just the mentality of you know oh like now I gotta be back in game mode as opposed to being in practice mode because no matter how you structure your practice, it's not gonna be the same as a game. And at this point in the season, you're doing it wrong if your practices are structured as intense as the game. Agreed. Jim, where you at on it? I mean, I get what you're saying. I, I just – I think with some of the health concerns that the Grizzlies have had 
and with the the depth that they got and they can and they can put out guys who I think benefit from playing those minutes because they're gonna I think even though rotations get shorted shortened in the playoffs I think this is going to be a team that's going to be different than traditional I think they still um, will go with deeper rotations and so getting those guys minutes I'm all for my question for y'all was going to be um, you know we were a big fan of the play-in last year this year, when you look at the nine and 10 team, because we're talking about the Clippers in Minnesota, um, you got two teams, one 10 games under 500 and one 12 games under 500. They got no business even having a, a chance. And, and then you talk about, we talk about like, you know, the Grizzlies and going to have a, actually, you know, we, we think they're going to win, but have a more difficult matchup. The Suns, I mean, they get a joke of a matchup. But to me, it, those teams don't have business being there. I agree. I think it's a money grab by the NBA to get more teams in it and to discourage uh, tanking, but it's a little bit backfired. And let's not forget the theory around this was that that was how they were going to get Zion into the bubble was because they were going to have this play in matchup. And now that they've seen it gets four more teams in it, right? Four, yeah, four more teams in it, get you a little mini tournament. It's a money grab, nothing more, nothing less. Hey, yeah, one but, quick stat though. Did you guys realize that John ja Morant led the league in paint points this year? The guy's 6'3, 175. Just driving in, hitting them bunnies. Yeah, just do you think he game. could do you think he could keep that up? Like, like how like how long do you say do you say, all right, Ja, just drive the paint and just go hard? Well, I think what we're seeing is uh, he cannot keep that up his whole career because we saw some lingering issues get to him this year. But, you know, I can't believe his name hadn't come up yet. But if you take away the athleticism that Ja has, you end up not quite in a situation like Russ, but it's similar because his game is predicated on being faster, more athletic, jumping higher. I don't know how you can take that away from him, DB. And is he one of the best players in the league without that? I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's it's like you have this performance, this sports car, and you're not letting it do what sports cars do, if that makes sense. I, yeah, I agree with you. Jim, I do got a question for you about the nine ten matchup. Do you I have a I hear what you're saying and I agree with you, but the Pelicans are a little bit intriguing to me only because probably bias. I'm a big BI fan. And with CJ McCollum, I think that that might give the Suns a little bit more trouble than than we're the, leading the, on. The CJ thing does change the game and because he does have playoff experience, but I still I mean you look at how the Suns have been such a well-oiled machine. And with the ups and downs of the Pelicans, I just don't see it. But I mean, you're right. Hey, I mean, man. Anything's you're possible. forgetting about Big V. You're a big, you're a big V guy. I was always a bigger Stephen Adams guy. Come on, man. Okay, see. Oh, oh no, no, you weren't against the trade. There was a lot of people that were against it, though. And I remember Casey Sigler being a little bit on Facebook yeah. talking about that trade, man. I don't mean to call out season ticket holders, Casey, but I did see you say you didn't like it. I mean, hey. It, it, it's one of those things where, as a Memphis fan, I think you quickly fall in love with guys that are good to you and good to the city just because of the type of city that we are. So I could see how that hurt people's feelings, but when you look at it from where we're at now, like oh, I, think we're, I think we're okay. 
No, Adams fits it well. We've talked about it on this podcast before. What Adams did was free up more offensive movement because Big V wanted his shots, bro. He was getting his. And, and you can't take that away from him because he could score, but Adams knows his role. I don't know that he scored in double digits ten times this year, and he doesn't care. The, uh, my favorite part of that that experience, the VIP experience, was when he was asked, you know, uh, how he was so good at setting screens, and he said, uh, I'm really big and I just get in the way. That's a fact. Because I pick so, people up and move them. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, Jim, um, we'll go there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fresh wound. The, the Lakers, obviously, not going to play in the postseason. They're going to be looking for a new coach. What are they doing? What's Russ doing? Who's the coach? Or do you even care? I don't even care. And my favorite thing that's happened from all this, Anthony Davis came out today trying to save face, but uh, they said a bunch of people from the Lakers, including LeBron and Anthony Davis, and I'll try to reach out to Westbrook. The report came out and they said uh, he wasn't responding to any of them. And then the, the source close to, to Westbrook said um, they weren't, th- they were there. They weren't there to let him get crucified all season. So why does he want to talk to them now? Very true. Randy, LeBron says, like, the season wasn't a failure. Like, how does he – I mean, so I'll I'll add – so let's let's think about it this way. If Michael Jordan was in the same position, was asked the same question, or even – I'll remove that. Kobe Bryant. How does Kobe Bryant answer that question? I think we saw it in his last year. They were a lottery team, and he hated every fucking second of it, and he said it. You know, this team's getting run out. So what did Kobe do? Well, I'm going to go get 60 in my last game because these guys suck. I'm gonna that's show a killer you. mentality. As great as LeBron is, and I'm not one of those guys. That's, I'm never going to call him the GOAT, but I'm not a LeBron hater. Um, the killer mentality has always been in question, and we've said that since he came in the league phenom what he has done in and at the age of what 38 30, was he 39 now it's incredible but you can't come out after a season like they just had i saw a stat that in the second half of the season the portland trailblazers had a better record than the los angeles lakers the portland trailblazers are not even trying to win games they're actively trying to tank and they had a better record than the Lakers. That's embarrassing. And it's not just the injuries. That team was damned from the start because that team never fit together. Russ and LeBron never going to work. AD can't stay on the floor. You sign three guys to over $35 million each, and you try to fill them around with aging vets like Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony and then a bunch of just, you know, whoever's. That shit ain't going to work. Oh, and I think that, I mean, the way he answered that question really – summarizes the whole Lakers season in a nutshell because wouldn't as a fan wouldn't you want your guy to go out there and go no this is unacceptable this was a failure and like I'm gonna take some onus of that but it's unacceptable like we have to do better we will do better but it, it really wasn't that it was a lot of posturing and a lot of uh you know, we were hurt, you know, we, you know, we, we, we did some good things. We did some bad things. You know, it wasn't. Look, it would be different if that, that th- those big three played together for 21 games and they were 11 and 10 DB. If they were like 18 and three, 
and they got hurt. Maybe I could see it, but those dudes were 11 and 10 playing together. All of them dudes making a hundred million, the three of them make over a hundred million dollars a year. That's absolutely unacceptable for that team to finish like that. And by the way, this isn't like a this year problem because this is going to be almost impossible for them to fix this because you got all those guys under contract next year. Nobody wants those contracts. LeBron dictates what he gets, so he's not going anywhere if he doesn't want to, or maybe he will. The best scenario is that he forces his way out and goes somewhere else, and the Lakers have some cap room, but then you yeah. still end up with an aging Russ and an AD that can't stay on the floor with a bunch of who's. I just yeah. don't see it getting any better, and I'm not – I'm not sad about it, DB. I'm not sad about it. Me neither. And and to be honest, to to use the as a Grizzlies fan for the Lakers to use, well, we were hurt as an excuse to not win games. Nah, bro. Uh, you can miss me with all that because like Grizzlies have figured it out. But I, I'm I was thinking about this. It, it just came to my mind. Taylor Jenkins. What does Memphis do with him? You sign him up for life. I mean, I, I think you got to, right? But is that even feasible? And at what point does he go, you know, I, I feel like, or would you blame him if he tested the water? I would because I think that he has an opportunity to have been a part of building something special and doing things with this organization that have never been done before and being the uh, when he came in, it was he's a real big analytical guy, and he is. But he has proven that his X's and O's are elite. We've seen him change his demeanor and get up in the refs' grill, get some technicals, stand up for his guys. And you know, DB, I mean, Jim can tell you from being that VIP, these players don't just love each other; they love Taylor Jenkins, and he's built a staff around him that they all love each other too. I think he would stay here for as long as they'll have him. I mean, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that for sure. Hey, yeah. I gotta, go ahead. I was just going to say anything to add to that. No, I was going to ask if uh, we were going to talk about the East by chance because our boy Mike isn't with us, and they have uh, – them Chicago Bulls have drawn the Milwaukee Bucks, which is the team that I would least want to play in the first round. Can we talk about Mike's Facebook post? He said he's slamming his dick in the door. <laughs> I mean, that was what he said. So I don't think he's optimistic about this series. Uh, I mean, Daniel, Daniel says it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. You're the champion still beating. And as of right now, the Bucks are the champ, and that's who they got to play in their house. Look, this is no disrespect to Mike Hughes. We love you. You're, you're a family to this show. But I've said it since the beginning. On the show, the Bulls were fake hustle from the start. Never believed in them. Um, cool story. Won a lot of games. But their record against – Playoff teams is atrocious. That team is front runners, and they're not a good team. No so, disrespect. So you're picking the Bucks in four. <laughs> that it's ridiculous. Giannis, I mean, who yeah, who's yeah, who's yeah. holding who's holding him, bro? Nobody. Nobody. I mean, nobody guards. I mean, is Demar gonna score sixty a game? But I, but I tell you what, man, when you look at those East matchups, I mean, I, I found that to be more intriguing than Randy, clearly. But uh, when you when you look at outside of Miami and Cleveland at the one and eight, when you look at Boston and, and Brooklyn at the two seven, like I said, Milwaukee, Chicago, and then you look at Philly, Toronto, I mean, hey, the East first round going to be wild. 
Hold up, we didn't even talk about the East play-in game. Uh, look, they, you you got either the Hawks or the Hornets, and we all hate the Hawks on this show. But what do we think about the Hornets? Can they beat the Hawks? Can okay, they win two let games? Me, let me ask you a question. It's, it's an easy question, and so you're going to answer it quickly, which will then give the answer to the question. Who's better, young or ball? Ball. Okay, so that's, that's – for me, if I'm the NBA, that's that's who I want in there. I can't stand Trey Young, though. I'm gonna be honest. I'm uh, we've honest. all, but I think we've all three. No, we've all three came on here and said we thought he was overrated. Agreed. Agreed. So I mean, for the, me, ball ball is a is a is a more talent that I would want to watch. I'd be more inclined to watch, and so for that reason, I'm picking Charlotte, and I would want Charlotte. Yeah. Can Cleveland? The question for you, because assuming Brooklyn beats Cleveland, and let's say Charlotte beats Atlanta. Um, I haven't watched. I've watched. I've watched a lot of teams play this year. I have not watched very much of Cleveland. They've been up and down. I know I've seen them as high up as like two, and then I've seen them down at like twelve. Like I don't even know who they are. Like can't, great can't. story, great story. First time they made the playoffs since you know LeBron left or whatever before he got there. But how about that? You have a great season, best season you've had, and outside of LeBron years, of course. And your first round matchup against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the Brooklyn Nets. Holy shit! Mm. that's a but, tough one man but isn't that what you want no no i do not want to see kevin durant in a one game playoff okay then what all right so then what's the alternative you get in the sixth seed and you avoid them but you're gonna have to play them at some point well i feel a lot better if i play them in the second round than i do in a one game playoff and kevin durant scores 60 on my head True. True. Look, who, who's in the two seed in the East right now? Um, two seed in the East? Boston. Boston. The team that you don't believe in that I do. Okay, so, but let's think about this. If you're Boston, you, you, you did your thing. They could have avoided the two and lost that game on purpose against the Grizzlies, and they didn't. They, they did their thing, and they won. They were not trying to avoid Brooklyn. Everybody expects Brooklyn to win that first game and be the seven seed. And then Brooklyn gets to play Boston. If you're Boston, you had enough, you you came on strong at the end of the year, and your reward for getting all the way to the two seed is playing a healthy Kevin Durant and a healthy Kyrie Irving. That's a tough first round matchup. I mean, I I would have rather played Chicago. Well, everybody would in the East. I mean, what were they doing? I don't know. But they look. I'm gonna put it to you like this though: the Celtics are without one of their best defenders who would have been doing his thing against Kevin Durant. Not that he would stop him because we've seen that there's literally nobody on the planet that can stop Kevin Durant. We can talk about who he is as a person all we want. He is the most – he's the greatest offensive player in the game, period. That guy in a series is, is a, scary, a scary hour right there. I think the East is so wide open, though. I, I really do. But I would not be surprised at all, and I don't think I know Jim's going to pick the Celtics to beat them. But I'm not going to be surprised if we see Brooklyn come out of the East from the seven seed. I'm picking Celtics to win the East. You know what? I'm sticking with it. I pick it every year. It eventually be right. That's it's got to come true. If I just keep Red Arbox not walking through that door, Jim. If I if I just keep it ain't picking gonna, it. I mean, I'm I'm not in for moral victories, but a lot like a loss to the Grizzlies for the Celtics would have been not a moral victory, but an actual victory. Absolutely. I mean, what? absolutely. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, 
Not Granted, only that, the, the then they Grizzlies beat them by like 40. Yeah, the Grizzlies didn't play all that great, but nobody was playing. But I think I could have figured out a way to play worse. <laughs> I agree. So, so, so you're going on record right now saying not just the Nets are – I want to hear it again. The Nets are going to come out of the East in the seventh seed. I want to hear it again on air. I said I would not be surprised. Uh, I, I didn't know we were doing picks yet now. You, well, we're we're not, to... but I just wanted to – I thought that's what you said. And, oh, and what really look, surprised me about that is because Miami is your, is your dogs. Oh, for sure. I'm, but they got a lot of things going on right now. But I will say this. Brooklyn is going to win, and Brooklyn beats the Celtics in six games. Mm. Six games. I mean, I think I think we don't need to do like finals picks, but I do think I mean because we know the first round matchups minus who the play-ins are, and we all are going to pick the one and the twos against us. So I mean, we can go ahead and pick those games if we want to go ahead and lock that in for at least first round. Well, we we'll start with the play-ins. Obviously, I'm going to have uh, Brooklyn as a seven seed. I'm going to have Charlotte as the eight seed in the East. I'm um, and okay, uh, DB, who you got? I'm going. I'm going Brooklyn, even though I would love for them to lose. But it, like you said, it, it ain't happening in a one-game playoff. And I'm I'm gonna go. I picked Charlotte at the beginning of the year, so I'm gonna go with Charlotte. So Brooklyn and Charlotte. All right. So we go over to the Western, and I'm gonna pick the Timberwolves in the seven seed, and I'm gonna go with the Pelicans in the eight seed. I love Pop. The team's not very good. I'm not going to Minnesota Clippers. Uh, no, they're I'm playing gonna, each other. Yeah. Yeah, but the loser goes on to play. Oh, the you're right. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Ooh, that's I didn't even think about that, Jim. I'm still going. Let me still go with the Pelicans. I, I'm I'm here for CJ. I mean, I I think. Yeah, I'm going to go Minnesota and the Clippers. Even though I do think I think San Antonio beats New Orleans. Really? I love it. Say, hey, it wouldn't be shocking. It's San Antonio. I, no, would not I mean, be shocked at all. It, I wouldn't it, be it comes down to it comes down to coaching a lot of times in games like that. And you're telling me I got I got pop on the on that side. I would Give not me. be surprised if the Spurs end up as the AC winning <laughs> no, two no. games. I promise I wouldn't. The Suns find themselves thinking, man, Damn. couldn't have been anybody else up there that was back Damn. there. What do we got to do to get away from this guy? <laughs> All right, so the rest of them, Randy, go go ahead and mat, matchups going back to the East, going going one to eight, and so on. So, hold on, I mean, I got a, I got a, not I lost my. Screen so you got here. Charlotte, you got Charlotte, so it's Miami, Charlotte. Obviously, I'm picking the Heat. All right, and then you said Brooklyn, Boston. You got Brooklyn. I got Brooklyn. Chicago, Milwaukee. Milwaukee in a sweep. And then Toronto, Philly. Man, that is so such an interesting matchup. I'm gonna pick. Give me the Raptors. <laughs> Ow. Look, I, I'm not gonna pick the Raptors, but I do think that's gonna be a long series. For one, when Matisse Thibel can't play in Toronto, that's a humongous, humongous loss on the defensive end. I don't believe in James Harden; he's fat and out of shape. Uh, but I do believe in Joel Embiid, so I got. I'm gonna go with them, but I think that series goes six or seven. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I got you know Brooklyn and Charlotte coming out of that thing. I got Miami. I got 
Brooklyn. I got Milwaukee and I got Philly. Sorry, Mike. I just get the champs until somebody beats you. And to be honest, I think Milwaukee is going to go deep. Man, you just, you like they're going to go deep because they got somebody who's long. That's all. Long. Oh. <laughs> uh, give me. Uh, I'm going. I'm going chalk. Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. Very, very uh, creative there. Good job. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not picking against Boston and Philly, Toronto. I'm gonna go with what I know, and Embiid has been a monster. And then, obviously, the same thing, beating a dead horse over Milwaukee. But I really wanted to pick Cleveland against Brooklyn. You don't. I really. Do that. I just want to root against them. Well, I mean, if you're hey, if you're wrong, Daniel, is it a big deal? But if you're right, you can brag about that shit everywhere. True. Very but going true. hey, going to the West is, is going to be a little different. So we got Phoenix, obviously, is the one seed, and we got them. Would you guys? You guys said Clippers. Yeah. I think okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say Clippers too, just for easy sake here. Doesn't really matter. I'm still picking the Suns to win that series. And the two seed, obviously, I'm picking the Grizzlies. I don't care who they play. They I, play I got two a, Wolves, the Clippers, they play Spurs. I got a question for you, Randy, because you might know more than me before we even get to that game. Is Luka healthy? No. So, they don't think it's like a season ending, but I think he's going to be hobbled. I'm picking the Jazz in that series. Yeah, if that, I mean, I would have picked Dallas if Luka's healthy, but, I mean, I can't, I can't pick them to win if he ain't even healthy. And that, that also goes for the 3-6 matchup because we don't really know what Steph Curry is. And we know that Draymond's coming back off injury. We know what Jokic is, and he's dominant. But are we ready? And you would love to see, and you would love to see it if you didn't have to deal with Golden State the second Absolutely. round. Absolutely, business. But the problem is the Grizzlies have not done well against the Nuggets. Now I'm hearing that Jamal Murray might come back in the playoffs. Well, I think the Nuggets' problem speaks to the same reason why you didn't want to play the Timberwolves. As much as we love Stephen Adams, a guy like Jokic gives you problems. He gives you problems, and he's done it. So I'm gonna, I'm, oh man, I'm gonna pick Golden State to win that series just because I think they got the playoff pedigree of Clay's doing his thing. If Steph comes back, he doesn't have to be Steph of five years ago. If he can just do his thing, he's still as dominant. A, as a decoy, he can, he causes a problem. Absolutely. And Draymond, even though I really cannot, he might be my least favorite player in the NBA next to you know who, but um, I still gotta, I gotta pick Golden State. Because I like it. coaching matchup. I'm going with Steve Kerr. Decent, decent. I um, I'm gonna take the Suns. It don't matter who they play. I'm gonna take the Grizz. Don't matter who they play. I'm actually gonna lean the opposite direction of you, Randy, and I'm gonna go the Nuggies because I, I like Denver. I do, and I I I just can't do. Draymond, and I just can't do those guys. I just don't, and I won't, and I'm. Um, but I will say, I hope this, you're I, right. I, I think this might be the. This might be them starting to slide off the edge, just a little bit. You say I, that, I, but now they got Jordan Poole averaging 25 a game. So, here's what I here's what I mean by that. Obviously, there'll be a team, but I don't think I think they're gonna slide exactly where they're at right now for a few years um right in the middle of of the west um and i say that because they're starting to get these these injury things starting to pop up and those things like when one of those guys 
doesn't play, then you got to have guys like Poole come out and shoot lights out and, and be bigger than what they are. And I just don't think that's going to be able to happen on a consistent basis for those guys to stay at the very top of the West. Um, so um, give me give me the, the Nuggets. And then, you know, the next one, you know, Utah was, was I don't know, them last year, they just – they they rub me the wrong way. They look all world against the Grizzlies and then turn around and look like they didn't have a clue the next series. So And they got know, internal issues, man. I, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna go with Dallas. I know I know Luca has this calf issue going on, but I think I think he's just gonna be able to just chill out and shoot the ball. Just do his do his thing. My problem's out. never Luca. My problem is always what do they have around them? But I do not. If you talk about teams I want to avoid, about matchups, I do not want to see the Dallas Mavericks in the playoffs. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. So, yeah, that's that's where I stand right there. You're not going to root for Mike Conley, DB? I'm done rooting for Mike Conley. Oh, man. What have you done for me lately? I like Mike, but, I mean, it is what it is. Shout yep. out Mike Conley. So I'm going, I'm going Suns, Grizzlies. I'm going Golden State, not even because I necessarily think they're going to win. Randy, if Memphis wins the championship this year, I don't want any excuses. I don't want they didn't have to play a healthy Golden State, blah, 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 blah. I want them to go through the best in every round. And so with that being said, I want Golden State there. So they got them in the next round. And nobody can say they didn't have to play Golden State. Um, I, I hate picking Utah. I don't like Utah. Um, I love watching Luca, but if he's not healthy, I just can't do it. Um, like you said, Conley, Conley's our boy. Donovan Mitchell lighted up. Uh, so give give me Utah. Unfortunately, but you know what? We just talked about with the Grizzlies and even with the Tennessee baseball team how they love each other. I really and truly think that Utah Jazz hate each other. <laughs> I think Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert hate each other. And I saw a trade that Donovan Mitchell could get traded to the Miami Heat. Oh, God. Boy, boy, boy. If you put Jimmy Butler with Donovan Mitchell, oh, boy, I'll be there. I'm there for that. See. We stop it on the first round, right? We don't want to. We don't yeah, want to get yeah, into yeah. how we're going all the way through. Yeah. Now that we're back to doing second segments, we'll uh, we'll get around because obviously next week uh, we won't be doing a second one with uh, or excuse me, Wednesday we won't be doing one, but the next week we will, and we'll be into play by then. So I know that you went staff picks. You went seven and three. I went six and four. What did DB go? Uh, it had nine, a, it, nine, nine and one. I don't think so, pal. Not so fast, my friend. He, we, all, we, all, we all had to be – no, we all had to be generally in the same area because, I mean, the ones, like you said, simply because the ones that we lost, we all lost. That's why, like, I when me and you were the same, I thought it was the same because me and you had one separate – or two separate picks, and it was LSU and then somebody else. And so that's why I figured we evened up. Mississippi State. I believed in the boys down in Startville. Mm. <sighs> the good news is they don't know that I picked against them. Hey, look, 
because I know they're not going to be listening to the second part. Guys, it, it was such an awkward moment, man. But And I might be a dirty dude, but I'm standing between both Mississippi State dads. That home run gets hit by Cruz. I can't I can't react. I don't know what to do. And then my phone vibrates, and I, and I open it up, and it's George Cruz. And he says, come on over here and meet us. And I was like, hey, Greg, I'll be back. <laughs> I got a potty. <laughs> anyway, no, he knew where I went. I, 45 minutes later, I came around the back of the building and seen him and Cam. And he goes, I know where you've been. I was like, can you not tell everybody? Because he did that at the Alabama game. He goes, he, he called me out for everybody. He goes, just so you know, Jim been over there at the Alabama dugout hanging out with Zane. I was like, bro, really? Oh, man. Speaking of Mississippi State, man, shout out to your last week's guest, Briley St. Clair, because I signed Lila up for uh, Mississippi State hitting camp. So we're going to go down next weekend on the tw- – no, two weekends from now? On the 24th, Sunday, they have a noon game, I believe against, against Auburn. So it's a whole experience. So Lila's going to get to see our last guest play the noon game. And then she has a hitting camp for two hours with the Mississippi State coaching staff. And Ms. Bradley St. Clair so generous with her time. She even said, let me know when you guys get down here. I'd love to meet your daughter. She followed her on TikTok. So well, shout out. She's not just talking the talk. She's walking the walking well, the walk. Well, well Randy, I'm going to need you to do me a favor because you know, I'm lacking on the softball autograph. She's like the fifth or sixth player. I still, I still I don't you. have one. I need, I need you to get that, especially because our girl, she got 600 downloads in six days. Shout out. You know, yeah, she, she's been awesome. Like I, I said, she, she, I wasn't able to be on the episode with you guys, but she still followed my daughter on TikTok. And to a 12-year-old travel softball player to see a starting center fielder from Mississippi State, that meant the world to her. So shout out, Briley St. Clair. Yeah. I wish you all the best of uh, luck. I wish you could have been there just because obviously you understand that softball world more. But, you know, you brought up a good point and – you know, uh, whether people are listening to this part or not, you know, it's when the athletes, because we've always told them if they push their story, um, you know, and it's their story to be heard. She, you said something about it. She's actually been pushing it hard. And I, I feel like if every athlete did that, some, you know, it gets big just because they're big names. Um, she's not necessarily as big as the names. as like Austin Riley and all them that are up there. She's done it because she's pushed it out there. She wants people to hear a story, and I, I wish they would all do that. But, you know, she's got a great story, and like you said, um, she's her character speaking volumes. I love it. Absolutely. And before we go, I do got to highlight a little bit of uh, my own daughter, Lila. This past weekend, I got to tell you guys, my daughter is not known for her blazing inferno speed, but she had not one, not two, but three stolen bases on the weekend. Get it. Bringing Get it. her own. OBP on this spring season, DB. I know that you love this OBP. 533 on mm. this season. Mm. OBP. That's what's up. That's what's you, up. Her average you know, is still over 300, but OBP is what I really stress to her because I want you taking walks. I want you getting hit by pitches. I want it all, baby. And and here's the thing, man. You I haven't seen any games. I've seen some footage of some games, but where the real work lies is in those cages, in those tunnels, man. In all the videos that you show, you may not see it because it might be the that whole theory. Like um, when you see yourself every day in the mirror, it's hard to see change, and you might see it every day, so it might be hard to see the change. But I've seen a difference in the videos that you've sent over the course of just a few weeks, and the results and just staying inside the ball, hitting the ball back up the middle, and not hitting the ball back up the middle, but hitting it and driving it, you know, yeah. from from it's one thing to hit the ball, you know, down, you know, you know, 
towards the bottom of, of the, the L screen, but it's another to be able to lift the ball and drive the ball the other way with power, man. And, and she, and that was difference. why Randy needed to be here because Briley started talking about that and Daniel commended her for that. And I actually didn't even know exactly what they were talking about when she was talking about all those different things. Uh, it, it shows, you know, I obviously lack sometimes when it comes to baseball. I definitely lack when it comes to softball. But she started she started talking about all those different things. And Randy, while we're you know what, while I'm thinking about it, and because I told Daniel this on the phone earlier, man, we 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 really do find a good job uh, or do a good job of finding character because you know, Grace Story from Memphis. We've been doing the sessions. Well, tomorrow I told her I got to leave to go do art therapy after I drop her off. Um, can she take her to her game? And she said, absolutely, because she must watch her play anyway. So not only is she getting a session anymore, Grace coming to her game. Shout out, Grace. Hey, another guest, speaking of Lila's improvement at the plate, Mr. Ed Easley, one of his coaches, Jordan Barnes, is her hitting coach, and he has changed her uh, – tremendously driving through the ball so shout out ebc esc jordan barnes ed easley briley st Clair, all of you killing it in off that's, the bench baby that's right we're gonna end it if you like their story or you just like hearing us average shows talk x's and o's please like and share the podcast on facebook retweet us on twitter listen and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and anchor as always comments ratings feedback Always welcome. We're going to see everybody this Wednesday. We got part two. Part two, we're coming back. You guys are so good. We're bringing two more of your boys back. We're going to talk more Tennessee baseball with Evan Russell and Drew Beam. This has been the End Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.